Hey everyone, Rochelle Denae Poth here with episode three of what is becoming, I guess, a regular podcast. Uh, I can't guarantee the topics that I'll talk about will necessarily have a focus uh, or a consistency in terms of the topics, you know, going in order of anything like AR, VR, or artificial intelligence, or social emotional learning, or the future of work. But I guess probably just things on my mind each week or whenever I do sit down and record a podcast. So the first episode was about 10 ways that we as educators or anybody really can make more time for self-care because that is really important to try and find some balance and to make time to do things that are not just work uh, or being connected with devices uh, or not getting enough sleep, but things that will help us just on a day-to-day basis that will help us to bring our best selves into our classrooms and to our homes at the end of each day. Uh, My second podcast episode was about mentoring and how important that is, how much of a difference it has made in my own life, and how I've really tried to become more of a mentor for my students, for colleagues, members of my PLN, and just how thankful I am for the connections that I've made over the past five or 10 years as that has become a bigger part of what I do. So kind of along the same themes, talking about connections and activities, I thought why not talk about a way to get students more engaged in learning? And this is something that I am by no means an expert, but actually a few years ago, I was really struggling with um, helping my students become more active in the classroom. I didn't really know how to, I actually, totally misunderstood the concept of engagement. And so that was the big problem, number one. But I reached out to different connections, uh, members of my PLN. I left messages on Voxer. I asked questions on Twitter, in person, at conferences. Everybody gave great ideas and strategies to try. But no matter what I did, it just wasn't working. And it was frustrating because I kept trying, but it didn't matter. And I was running out of ideas. So when I started to think about my classroom, What I realized was that the students were just sitting in rows of desks and I was standing in the front of the classroom and they were very passive in learning. Um, I was the one who was doing the the writing on the board, asking the questions, talking, moving from side to side, not necessarily around the whole room. And that's kind of how I experienced my education for many years. And so that's what I was used to. And I guess for a large part of my teaching career, that's what I was doing. Uh, I didn't really understand the whole idea of flexible learning environments. And for me, anything that wasn't lined up in rows or, you know, organized very clearly was chaotic. And it would mean, at least in my own perception of it, that I wasn't doing my job the way I should, that things were out of control. I didn't have classroom management. And uh, so that kind of held me back for a long time. But One day when I took a look at my classroom, I started to realize how much time students spend in their school day just sitting, taking information in, not necessarily having time to ask questions or interact with peers. And really for a long time, definitely in my classroom, they were just consuming the content and then of course becoming more passive in their learning. And I noticed this more and more and I realized like this was a problem when it came to student engagement. So I started to reflect on the methods that I was using and I realized, kind of sometimes I even still say this now, that I spend a lot of time talking. I made the decisions, I was leading the activities, I decided how to do all the projects and everything in the classroom. And I really didn't have many opportunities for my students to work with their peers, to get up and move around or to take control of their learning. 
And I know students would ask, can we sit on the floor? Can we lean against the wall? And I, I really didn't want them to because I thought that's not what a classroom looks like. So once I decided like I needed to make a change, um, I made a change in my classroom that was kind of a big deal one morning. I looked at my room, lined up in rows, and I just pushed all the desks into small little clusters and groups of desks in the classroom and decided to give it a try. And when I did that, the students were shocked. They didn't know where to sit when they came in. I didn't tell them where to sit. I had no idea, but I knew that something had to change and it had to start with me. And so when I did that, when I created those little stations in my room, it also gave me a push to try something that I hadn't ever tried. For years, I had been flipping my classroom, or so I thought, right? Blended, blended learning, blending instruction, all of those things that we read about or we hear about. And sometimes we're, we're actually doing those things, and we may not even realize it. And for part of it, I was doing some of the typical activities that you would find in those types of instructional methods. I just wasn't really calling it that. But one thing that I had never done was station rotations. And so when I broke up those rows and I got the students to work in groups, of course, there were times where it was noisy or the students didn't necessarily want to stay on task some of the time because they were sitting closer to their friends. And all of that is to be expected because we have to start somewhere. And it was uncomfortable for me because I was used to having mostly quiet, me being the one talking, and students in identifiable, low, you know, easy to locate kind of spaces. So when I did this, what happened is it opened up a lot of different, more active learning experiences. Um, Game-based learning, which is for years, I thought that there's student engagement. They're playing these games. They're happy. They're excited. They're laughing. They're having fun. But I, I truly didn't understand the meaning of engagement. But Game-based learning, just as an example, is really a, a good way to add some fun in the classroom, to build student excitement for learning. Um, it gives students different ways to practice and develop their skills in those more active learning environments. And they encourage students to use other skills, like they're learning and they're mastering the content because they're collaborating, they're problem solving, um, they're engaging in more authentic and meaningful learning. And it's also a way that you can promote independent learning as well, because students have choices in some of the games that we can play. If you use stations, you can have different options at each station, having students even create their own games. So that really did help, especially when students realized like they could create their own game of, say, Kahoot or quizzes. And we could use those in class, not just that day, but for other students who might want an extra resource to use to try and, and practice the content, to study for a test, or for me as a teacher to use them in different years. And of course, technology provides tons of opportunities for us to enhance the learning, to bring in different experiences that otherwise we would not be able to. And when it comes to like personalized learning, this is one tool that has made a difference for my students because they can choose what to use, how to show their learning, and it's more self-directed. And when we leverage technology for that purpose and give the students that opportunity to create something that they're interested in, they attach more meaning, there is a higher engagement, they become more motivated, <laughs> it, it all kind of goes together. And so when I started to do this more, I started to see a change in my classroom. Uh, and it doesn't have to be about the technology, right? Students are creative. Giving them a chance to even just make up a game to practice the content can lead to higher retention and increase their motivation. So maybe you have students create kind of a chart. If you're doing things like categories or you have topics that you're talking about in your class, 
Um, decide on categories. Maybe pick like certain letters of the alphabet. I've done this in my own Spanish class. Or use numbers and have students come up with like words or a date or something that relates to each category. So just as an example, in Spanish, we I had categories at the beginning of the year, things like classroom objects and verbs, family, um, animals, different things like that. Uh, and Students then had to brainstorm after I gave them a letter of the alphabet to use for each category, and they worked together to come up and review some of the vocabulary. And then they randomly went to different groups, exchanged more words, and so that in itself helped on so many levels, okay? They were going back, trying to recall some of the vocab they had had. They were learning new vocabulary by connecting with their peers. That collaborative piece was really important because we want those students to have those relationships in the classroom and that's another opportunity to work on those social emotional learning skills. And, and it was fun. So again, no technology, just the paper, the pencil ideas, but they do come up with some really interesting ideas. Something else that helped uh, that I noticed, and I did this years ago and kind of got away from it, music. Okay, everybody loves music. We all see the students, even ourselves. Sometimes we have the, the earbuds in, uh, walking around in class, wanting to listen to music. I would often start class by playing some kind of music and the students, I would notice when they came in, like it would kind of like, they would dance a little bit or they would smile or laugh or whatever. And the songs were kind of tied into what I was teaching. Uh, it might've been if we were learning about Argentina, I would find somebody who was a singer from Argentina and play a song, uh, but I did change that. So over the past three years, I've been playing music when my students come into the classroom and I change it every day. And this past year I created a form and had students submit their own song to make kind of like a class playlist. So of course I added in some of my own, which range from, I mean, like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, all the way up through today, different types of music. So we have um, country music and then you name whatever kind of music. But what I notice is when students come in, the mood lifts. Um, some of them are dancing around, but even when I'm standing at the door greeting my students as they enter, there's other students and teachers in the hall, and you could see the responses. It kind of lifts the mood. So that's one way that music has kind of helped. But another idea is everybody has to remember certain facts, right? We have these mnemonic devices we can use to help us retain the information in hopefully a more meaningful way. There are some I can remember from childhood. There are some that I made up for law school uh, that would mean nothing to anybody else. But to me, those were the things that helped me to remember what I needed to know. And I still know those to this day. But why not have students create their own song, right? Make a rhyme, make a song, use the vocabulary, depending on what you're teaching, names of famous people, state or world capitals, monuments, uh, periods of time in history, you name it, you can find something to do with that. And the students have fun creating as well. And then they could either use those and present them live in class, print them out and let other students learn from them and decide like, oh yeah, this is really going to help me know this material better or use tools like, say, Flipgrid, uh, where students can kind of perform it or record it with video. Um, there are a lot of possibilities, but when you have students create like this, it adds so much more to your classroom resources because you have these authentic materials that are student-created, and that will definitely help to engage students more in learning. And I could tell you from my own experiences, those things have made a difference. And these are tons of ideas that I've had. And if you try one of these or all of these activities, 
you give students an opportunity to be more active in the classroom and work together. And I remember reading Learning Transformed by Eric Scheninger and Tom Murray. And there was a statistic in there that said that students on average in grades K through 12 spend 11,700 hours sitting in their desks in the classroom. And believe it or not, if you go and you search to find out what day in the future that would be if you closed your door and made students sit in your classroom from now until then, it's a really long time. And so I think that anytime we give students an opportunity to be more active, to work together, build relationships, collaborate, um, engage in more authentic learning, student-driven experiences, it's going to make a difference. And for teachers, sometimes that's uncomfortable. But when we place students in the lead, that gives us the opportunity to then step aside and facilitate to interact with the students. We can assess student learning, but we can also be there just to learn more about them and build those relationships that we know are so vital for our students today. Um, these are just a few of the ideas that I've been trying. Of course, everything is always a work in progress. Uh, and you have to take time to reflect, right? Get the student input. When students started to create more and to work in the small groups, and I had that time to move around, I could have those conversations. And I could see what they were doing, what they were creating, the questions they were asking. And so then what that did is they started to ask me questions like, hey, can we, what if, is it okay to, and added their own ideas for what we could do in the activities. They definitely suggested improvements. Uh, like maybe we could do this instead, or I think it might be better if this, uh, and sometimes even they said, well, you know what, this was a good idea to start, but I changed this part of it and that helped me to remember more. And the one thing I heard most often was, can we keep doing these activities? And of course, even though at first it was a little bit difficult, it was a change, my answer to them was been has been, yes, I think we should try it. And fingers crossed, if it works, then great. And if it doesn't, then we try again. But we took that chance and we learned together and we kind of improve on it. So I think make sure you have time for students to be moving in the classroom, to learn in different ways, using different you know, strategies and tools. And it's okay if they're not the traditional ones, if they're a little bit unconventional. Uh, we need to do different things in the classroom. And it helps us too. I know that teaching the same level Spanish one three times a day, I don't teach each class the same way. The content that I'm covering is essentially the same, but each class is different. And I want to make sure that I'm providing what each class needs, interacting with each student in that class and making them or hoping and having them be excited when they come into my classroom. So these are just a few of the ideas. I thank you for listening. This is a little bit of a longer podcast, but anyway, I will be back with another episode, which would be episode number four. Can't tell you what the topic is yet, but if you have some suggestion or if you have an idea you want to share, please reach out to me on Twitter, R-D-E-N-E 915. I would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.